0: I'm Chris Avena with American Outdoor News, and today's guest is without question the greatest athlete of our generation. He's the only athlete to be an all-star in both the NFL and Major League Baseball, but more importantly, he's a very passionate hunter. Will you please welcome Mr. Bo Jackson. Is it safe to say that athletics was your, uh, was your job and hunting was your passion?
2: Absolutely. I would work during the summer with baseball, but the few off times I had, I'm fishing, which was a passion. During the winter, football was my job, but when I got time, I was in a deer stand or somewhere in a ground blind hunting. And uh now that I'm retired from both, um it's a full-time passion for me um fishing hunting I own 3 boats and they're all ma- and they aren't and they aren't social boats or party boats to go out for the weekend and just hang out um they're fishing boats one boat for the lake and two boats for the river and um spend a lot of time whenever I have time on the water um uh besides that besides my fishing besides my fishing and my hunting um all of my friends most of my friends they're not ex-ball players or anything like that they're everyday working joes doctors uh you name it that love to hunt That love to fish love to bird hunt and so forth and so on so that's what i do now And um, I suppose right now, I'm so busy with my work once again, because I I supposed to be retired, but they say, (laughs) but they say, when you retire, you work three times as hard as you did when you worked, when you actually had a job. So all of my time now is spent trying to trying to balance my food companies, my multiple companies that I have um, and my hunting and fishing. I got my boat sitting in my driveway right now. It's been sitting there for for five days and I haven't had time to get out on the river because of with my food company and traveling and doing this and so forth and so on. And, uh, but it's fun. It's good to know that it's there mm. and with me being the boss, I can walk out this office anytime I get ready, go get that boat and go to the river and don't have to bother with anybody.
0: Have a cell phone. You can work anywhere. I but. can
2: work anywhere. <laughs> I can work anywhere. Um, I got buddies right now. Got a trip planned to go to Southern Texas next week to archery hunt okay. and uh, I can't wait.
0: I can't do you, wait. Uh, what's on the menu?
2: Um. We're hunting on a friend's ranch that's a high fence. He have some exotics there. And um, and I think the animal that I'm going after with my bow is a Neil guy. Oh, that's, that's, that's a big body animal.
0: It is adorable. That yes.
2: yes, it's a Neil guy. I've never had Neil guy meet. I've had all the other Plains games meet. But um, I'm looking forward to they want me to take it with a rifle. And I'm hell bent on doing it with my bow. It's gonna
0: be very difficult with a bow, I tell you. It's that. <laughs> it's well
2: I I tell you what, if I can get him within seventy to eighty yards and and with him not knowing with me there, I think I'm a I'm a pretty good shot. I'm a pretty good shot. I do all my own own adjusting and twerking on all my hunting equipment, my golf equipment. I do it all. I get in my man cave and I and I unhook the smoke detector and I go to work. So I do all my own fletching, uh, building my arrows and and tuning my bows to where they shoot like a dart. Now, I just didn't read this in a book. I got a lot of friends that's in the outdoor business. Um, Vicki and Ralph, Archer's Choice. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, Tim Wells. Uh-huh. Um, Tim Wells out of Peoria. Jackie Bushman, mm-hmm. all these guys, uh, uh, Michael Waddell, all of these guys and, and ladies are a good friends of mine. So I've learned from them over the years and um, I take it home and I get in my, my man cave. That's where once I go downstairs in my basement and go in my man cave where I got a sign saying no trespassers, um, uh, I'm no longer Bo Jackson. I'm no longer Bo Jackson. I'm that outdoors person that the country barely knows, uh, that has a passion to be in that area, that has a passion to 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 want to get out in nature and just be a part of nature.
0: When you played for the Royals, you had a very unusual way to zone yourself in for the game.
2: I just shoot my bow and arrow in the locker room a lot. And um, the players weren't there. I'd get there early. And just to relax, before you do, I'd, I'd do the William Tell thing where i get an apple and sit on the thing and put an arrow through the apple. And and uh, Brett Saberhagen, Mark Gubazar, and all, uh, we would all get and they would try to pull my bow back and they couldn't pull it back. I had to sit at 90 pounds. Wow. And they couldn't pull it back at the time. But now, now, with me being an old man and with the artificial shoulder, I'm only pulling about sixty pounds now, which is way more than enough it's if enough. you're shooting the proper equipment. If you got it set up proper mm-hmm. with um, with a heavy enough arrow that can carry the kinetic energy behind it to get the penetration of a of a uh, of a big size animal uh, unit, you have nothing to worry about.
0: I heard a story that at one point you would be shooting the apple out of uh, your... uh,
2: But I've done that once.
0: How in God's name did you talk somebody into holding an apple?
2: Well, (laughs) the thing that you have to realize, baseball players are a bunch of kids. It doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody in the locker room and the only, the only part that you all get to see is us out on the field where we're being serious and playing. But in the locker room, it's like a daycare center. Everybody's doing things. Everybody's playing pranks on each other. Everybody's pulling jokes on each other. Everybody's pissing each other off and uh, we're having fun. So yeah, we do crazy things. We play jokes on each other. And every now and then you can talk one of your teammates into doing something dangerous like hold an apple. While the other teammate shooted shoot an arrow through the apple out of his hand, so 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 that's just a everyday occurrence in a major league locker room.
0: That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> now, at um, taking a step back, at what age were you introduced to hunting, and what was your impression of the sport before you actually went out on the hunt?
2: Well, I was introduced to hunting when I was, wow, five, six years old. The first time I ever gone hunting was with my grandfather. I had to be three or four years old. Wow. And um, my my grandfather had a smokehouse. This was before anybody had a freezer or could afford a deep freezer. Uh, Everybody had, had a smokehouse. You, you'd smoke your meat to keep it. And he had a smokehouse out back. And he had his farm animals, but he'd go hunting and he would hunt raccoon, possum, deer, if he could. And we went up to coon hunt one night. He got to go round dog, his coon dog. And we left, and we left his house because over the weekends, I just spend the night at his house, which was only a block up the street. And we woke up one morning and it's just as plain as day. He woke me up, I got up, um, got me dressed, and um, he got his shotgun, got his hound dog, and my grandfather was a ore miner, an iron ore miner. Wow. So he got his hat, that had the light on it with the battery pack on it, sure. got his shotgun, and he had a rope, and the rope cl- clipped on his belt, and he tied it around my waist. So he wouldn't have to hold my hand. And I just followed him. He said, follow me. So I had the rope on me and I'm just following my granddad. We go up on the mountain and we sit on a log and he unleashes hound dog and let him go. And we sit there and I'm wondering why he let his dog go in the dark because it's three thirty-four in the morning. And we sit there on the, and we wait till we hear that dog start baying and yelping, which he's treating a coon. And uh, we go down and look and he turned his light on on his mining cap and up in the tree. And I see these two little lights looking back at us and it's a raccoon. And he took his shotgun and boom and leaves and bark. And the raccoon hits the ground and it bounces. And before it hits the ground again, that hound dog got him and shaking it. And that was my first experience with hunting. And like I said, he hunted for the food, um, archery. As far as I'm concerned, my cousin and I, Jason, we built our own bow and arrows. We built our own slingshots and we built our own bow and arrows out of just sticks. We go get a limb from a tree that we can bend, get some nylon cord around one end, bend it around the other end. We go out in the field and find twigs that are straight by the side of a pencil. Mm -hmm. Then we get the bottle caps off of a Coca-Cola or something, bend it around the tip with a hammer to put a point, that was your point, get a chicken feather, split down the back of the arrow, stick it down, get some thread, and tie it around. And that oh, feather oh, would stabilize <laughs> our arrow. And we would hunt my uncle's chickens. Well, not hunt, but shoot at them because we couldn't hurt them. We would bruise them or wound them. And once my uncle find out, he beat the crap out of both of us, <laughs> period. period. He whooped the crap out of both of us out in the yard in front of the neighbors and so forth and so on. But that was life as a kid. We had to make our own fun. So I got to college and got older. Our our, our punter named Lewis Colbert, one day after practice, we had a day practice during the summer and I was up in my room and I walked out on the balcony. I saw the punter out in the yard of the football dorm and he was shooting his bow. And I never and I never shot a compound bow before. And I watched him and he's shooting a styrofoam cup about 20 yards away. And he's going to pull it back. And I couldn't see the arrow. And I see that cup move I'm like, damn, he hit that cup. He got another arrow. And he hit that cup again. So I'm like, I'm intrigued. Walk down and go down to see him. And I said, how are you hitting that cup every time like that? And he said, well, um, I, I got a peep sight here and I got a pin, a 20-yard pin. And I looked through this sight. Once I pulled the bow back, I looked through this sight and put that pin on whatever I want to hit at 20 yards. So I said, can I do it? He gave it to me, put it on. And I was hooked. we were natural. And I was hooked. And my first bow I ever bought, my first bow I ever bought, was a Fred Bear bow. Cost me 63 bucks.
0: Big money back
2: then. That came with six arrows, aluminum arrows. Until this day, that bow's hanging in my man cave. Wow. With the same string on it that came on it 30 something years ago. You
0: never restrung it.
2: And I could still pull it back and it still shoots.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
2: I still have that bow. It's heavy. Because back then, everybody just made their bow to make the bow. And the first thing I ever killed that killed with that bow was a wild pig. Was a wild pig. So 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 that's how I got introduced and reintroduced to the outdoors and hunting and so forth and so on. And now it's just my way of relaxing and getting away from being Bo Jackson.
0: Well, you know, Football and baseball are tremendous team sports that are constantly testing you physically. How does hunting test
2: you? Hunting humbles you like golf. Every time you think you, hey, I got a handle on this or I mastered this. It throws your curveball. It throws your curveball. So it humbles you. Um, Hunting doesn't mean going out every time harvesting an animal Um, hunting doesn't mean being successful i consider a successful hunt going out and not even seeing an animal but learning something that that animal is doing in their everyday life the path that animal is traveling how that animal tries to. it's like a chess game in the woods you're trying to get to where you're downwind of that animal. And that animal is always circling to find out who is in his living room. Mm -hmm. Because if you go to your house and you walk in the door and see something out of place that wasn't out of place, you know somebody's in your house. And that animal knows when you're there. They may not see you, but he's going to work his way a 360 until he can get wind of whatever's in his living room, and he's going to get the hell out of there. So it's always good for me to try to outwit that animal, because I know that animal is way smarter than me, and it's just a chess game with us.
0: In this environment, so absolutely popping up a blind that you're going to be hunting is like uh, somebody coming in
2: stealing your couch. Okay? Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Now, um, what was your most
2: memorable? Wow, thing? my Definitely. most memorable hunt <clears throat> was the first time I went elk hunting. First time I ever went elk hunting. Now. No, it, that was my first, my first ever whitetail hunt. And I went on a buddy's place by the name of George Mann. He's like a pioneer of archery hunting in the state of Illinois. He held probably most of the archery records for biggest deer in the state of Illinois. He passed about eight, nine years ago, I'd say 10 years ago. And uh, he taught me a lot about archery and so forth and so on and the first time I ever went hunting on this place it was with the rifle though and I didn't know anything about deer except if you want to take a deer take one with horns and um he put me in a tree stand out in the woods and he said they're gonna come around in this wheat field and a deer came out and he said if you if you harvest an animal don't get out of your stand, just wait till I come back and get you." So I'm thinking, well, all right. About an hour and a half later, I harvest a deer, a uh, basket rack, eight point at the time. Dropped him right there. And uh, I, so I just sit there and I, right after I harvest a deer, I get the shakes. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? Stop. (laughs) What's wrong? And I just got a buck fever, as they call it. And uh, I sat there. He didn't show up. Hour late, he didn't show up. It's getting dark. Still didn't show up. Now it's real dark. Show up. And he showed up about because it didn't get dark until it gets dark. With the time change, it gets dark around. I shot the deer around four. At 6.30, it was, you can't see your hand in front of you. And I'm waiting on him to come. Nobody comes. So I said, well, I'm going to get down. I start climbing down the ladder and I get to where my foot touches the ground. And some I shoot back up the ladder. Now I got a rifle. (laughs) I go back up, sit in the stand. I'm like, what the hell is that? Not knowing he didn't tell me that deer snort at you, blow at you. So I sit there for 20 minutes. I started to go back down, get halfway down and he blows at me again. So I'm thinking, is that a Bigfoot? <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is that? I chamber around because I don't know, can't see anything. And about 20 minutes later, I see the lights coming through the woods. His truck. He comes down, pulled to the edge of the field and he said, well, did you get one? And I'm like, where the heck have you been? <laughs> I almost got attacked by something. I don't know what it is. And he said, "Why you say you almost got attacked?" I said, "Because I told him the story." And he laughed. His he said, "That was just a deer blowing at you. <laughs> there was other deer in the field." And so, so that had to be my most, my most memorable hunt. And 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 from that day on, it's just I've just been an outdoorsman. So it's whenever I get the, yeah, whenever I get the opportunity, I'm outdoors, I'm out in the woods, out on the lake, out on the river, doing something.
0: Now the number of hunters have been declining over the years. Uh, the fastest growing demographic, uh, as far as people buying hunting licenses,
2: yeah, is women. Absolutely,
0: fastest demographic. Um, the slowest is both Hispanic and African American mm-hmm. how would we entice more people of you know, Hispanic and African- American background to get out into the field
2: well it, y- 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 uh, that's a hard one because I know with my with my friends my African- American friends, um, they all live. This isn't the city. This they are suburbanites. Few live in the city, and I invite them out to go to my hunt lodge to, to, to hunt pheasant, duck. Oh man, I wonder, I don't know if I want to go. I said, look, just come. We'll get you hunting. We'll get you a day license. We'll get you a three day license at the hunting lodge, or you can get your hunting license right there at the lodge. You can borrow one of my shotguns. And I'll show you how to shoot shotgun and we go out and we pheasant hunt now these aren't wild pheasants but they had to be imported from Wisconsin or whatever but but the way we got it structured to sit up a pheasant's gonna continue to run from you and our property at one of our lodges is surrounded by girl scout property not right next door but these pheasants are keep running so at the we have little two feet fences at the end of the field. So we'll get 25, 30 yards from the edge of the field. We know that there's some pheasant there. We'll send the dogs in and let them flush. And, um, and, um, we have a day of hunting. And after that, my friends are like, Hey, where can I go buy me a shotgun? It only takes one time. It only takes one time and they're hunted and they're hooked. And um, I try to do my part to educate people of color, people of my own race and any race, if they want to try it once. Um, Because I know that if I hadn't have gotten interested and if someone didn't, didn't teach me how to do it, I probably wouldn't be that person either. And now the thing about it is that they think, well, well, I'm going to go hunt. That's wild game and so forth and so on. And it probably tastes awful. Wild game is some of the health, it's probably the healthiest food that you can eat because number one, it's all natural.
0: it's very lean.
2: It's all, it, but it's all natural. And I've had my friends to come over and I cook pheasant from everything from pheasant to wild boar to uh, venison tenderloins rabbit stew, you name it, pheasant pie pie. And they're like, man, where did you get this? I said, out of my freezer. Man, how did it get in your freezer? I put it there after I harvested it last winter. They said, this is Wild Game? Said, yes. They said, wow, I can't believe it. And, and it's just the fact that uh if you have friends that are willing allow you to educate them on the art of harvesting um, wild animals Uh, if you have the capacity to have the patience to teach those who have never experienced it then god bless you because number one i can eat wild game every day no me too i any wild game every day.
0: What's your favorite wild game recipe? Oh,
2: that depends on the season. Uh, during the winter, I like to make a rabbit stew with <laughs> with my signature with my signature buttermilk cornbread. But but I can take all the rib meat and neck meat off of any deer and make stews with. Make pot roasts and so forth and so on grilling it's is very simple for me um it really doesn't matter I like to take that pheasant and make pheasant with an orange sauce Make pheasant with orange sauce with some scallop potatoes. So you're a good cool vegetables. Well. <laughs> I love to cook.
0: Is there something you can't do?
2: I I, I can't play basketball. <laughs> That's an indoor sport. <laughs> I'm not an indoor person. <laughs> I never had the I've never had the interest in in playing basketball. That's about it. That's about it. But as far as wild game, cooking, oh, uh, in this little office here last week I brought some of my bluefin tuna in it, tuna to the office and just seared it on both sides. so it's rare in the middle, just slice it up, put it on a plate with some, with some wasabi and some, and some soy sauce and just, just had bluefin tuna for lunch, that's nice which one. is just outstanding. So, so that's what I do. That's, hey that's me in a nutshell um if i harvest it because i don't like to use the word kill if i harvest Mm -hmm. what i hunt i put it to good use and if i don't have room in my freezer like i don't right now i always get it processed by a professional processor and give it to needy families which is always which actually makes me feel 10 times better yeah. And than consuming that myself.
0: And
2: it's helping people. It's helping
0: people 100%. So now you have Bo Jackson Signature Foods.
2: Bo Jackson Signature Foods, uh, part of uh, Jackson and Partners, which is just one of my many companies that I, that I'm involved in that I'm trying to help run to keep afloat. And the thing that I'm doing is trying to, is to make it simple. To make it simple, yes, I'm in the food business. Um, I'm not doing anything no different than anybody else except trying to give the consumer a quality grade A product at a very, at a very good cost, period.
0: So it's mostly steaks and fish?
2: Uh, let's just say proteins, which could be all meats from steaks to crab to shrimp to burgers, you name it. Um, 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 I'm just trying to make my footprint in the sand mm-hmm. of, of uh, the food in, industry. Um, I have a another company called Jackson Packaging, which is a corrugated box company um, that I'm doing some business with, doing some business with a lot of companies. So I so I keep my I, I keep myself busy. I'm on the national. I've been on the National Speaking Tour for almost 30 years and I stutter and I, I got that stutter on the National Speaking Tour that loves to talk. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. It's just. Um, it's just a fact that if you can overcome your fears, anything possible.
0: That's a fact. Anything's possible. Do you see yourself getting into wild game meats, um,
2: um, probably not. Would love to, but with the FDA and everything, it, it,
0: very expensive process. Very
2: expensive process. Yes, yes. Plus you gotta plus. If you're going to get into it, you got to be able, the big thing that the big, that the big box stores look at and the people in the food industry look at say, uh, the one thing that they look at, can you keep up with the supply and demand? And with Wild Game, you got to have an absorbent amount of of, uh, product Mm -hmm. to keep up, because if you got a good product, everybody's going to want it. And if you can't keep up with the supply and demand, you got one shot to succeed in this business. And if you don't, word gets around quick, hey, he can't keep up with the supply and demand. Don't do business with him. So
0: who taught you to cook?
2: I learned how to cook from watching my mother when I was from three to five to six years old at six years, five or six. First thing I ever cooked was that buttermilk cornbread that I brag about every chance I get. I was when I was young in order for my mother to cook dinner for my other siblings, which at that time was my other seven siblings, uh, she had to keep an eye on me and cook at the same time. So she would make me sit in my little red rocking chair that I got for Christmas. She would sit me in the middle of the kitchen, right by the kitchen table and she said, don't you move. And I'd either have to sit there because she would have her soap operas on TV in the kitchen also while she's cooking. And um, she tell me, don't you move because she knew that if she couldn't hear me or see me, I was doing something to either going to burn down the house or electrocute myself. So don't move. And I sit there and I had to, and I either watched her cook buttermilk cornbread every day in that cast iron skillet. Cast iron skillet weighed about 14 pounds. I either watch her cook in that cast iron skillet or watch General Hospital when Luke and Laura was in high school. So that's what I did. <clears throat> watch her cook or Luke and Laura with Dr. Hardy and Jesse. I still know all the characters. I used to watch it. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I did. Um, watch General Hospital, One Life to Live, all those people, and um, either watch soap operas, watch my mom cook, and I watch her cook buttermilk cornbread, watch her cook the fried chicken, she would make the cornbread in that cast iron skillet, Once she'd flip it out on a pan, use that same skillet, put some oil in it, fried chicken, or fried pork chops.
0: So you literally went from the gridiron to the cast iron.
2: I actually to to be honest with you I was more familiar with the cast iron before the gridiron. So I went from the cast iron to the gridiron now I'm back to the cast iron. So yes.
0: All right well I appreciate your time.
2: Thank you brother I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming.
0: Good luck this season and hunt safe.
2: Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. Thank you.